Hello, and welcome to the week 11 edition of the Megabot here on thelines.com. It is Matt Brown. It is Stephen Anders. It is Adam Candy. We're going to run through each and every game, give you all the bets in our account, any leans we might have, or if we hate a game, we'll tell you why we hate the game as well. Everything we do, absolutely free. So go ahead, hit that subscribe button down below if you have not already, and let us know in the comment section, what do you agree with? What do you disagree with? What is your favorite bet of the week? Guys, Thursday night, uh, We sometimes we need to talk about the Thursday night games because of things that are moving forward here. And, of course, we know Deshaun Watson is out for the season. We see Joe Burrow. It doesn't look good for Joe Burrow. It looks pretty bad for Joe Burrow, actually, with that wrist injury. They're 5-5 five and five as it is anyway. Guys, I know this is not for every bankroll. The Ravens are minus 190 to win the AFC North. This seems like free money at this point. Talk me talk me off of this. No, it makes sense. I mean, especially if, you know, you talk to somebody that you know knows wrist injuries, Matt, and he said, like, yeah. he, he wouldn't be surprised Burrow's done for the year, right? Yeah, he, he just because of the mechanism that it takes to throw, right? Like, if it's actually a severely sprained wrist, then, like, it's going to be it's going to be a four or five week deal. And at that point they're going to be dead in the season. So what, why bring it back? You know? All right. So for the Ravens to lose the division, it has to be Jake Browning, Dorian Thompson, Robinson slash PJ Walker. Or the most uh, fraudulent team in, in NFL yeah. history. <laughs> or the, most, or the most fraudulent team since the Vikings last year. So yeah, seems pretty, seems pretty solid to me. Sometimes the favorite is the value, right? Yeah. Adam minus minus one ninety. I mean, when you look at it, it, it just, to me, I, I guess like, can you make me a case for any of these other other teams? I mean, I get the record that the Steelers possess, but we've we've kind of seen what they're all about. And do we honestly think that DTR is going to be able to to win a bunch of games here down the stretch? No, we don't think that Dorian Thompson Robinson's yeah. winning anything. The only case I will make you is that I want to see this Ravens offense without Mark Andrews in the long term. I want to see how it adjusts. They have all the receivers healthy right now, but it has been a rare case in which all the receivers are healthy. So that is only meant to give you caution. It is not meant to tell you not to bet. Yeah, it uh, seems like Cincinnati season is over uh, with this Burrow stuff here. I mean, if he, even if he has to miss, even if he has to miss three games, I mean, they have a horrible schedule. So anyway, just wanted to bring that up from a Thursday night because I do think that there's a bet to be made there in the AFC North. I made it uh, minus 170 last night and seems like some other people have made it as well as what's up to minus 190 at the time of this recording. All right, let's go ahead and get here into the mix in week 11. Dallas Cowboys and the Carolina Panthers. This is 10 and a half in favor of the Dallas Cowboys. 41 and a half all the way to 42 and a half on the total. Adam, I'll start with you. Um, there were a lot of people out there in the media that were excited about what was going to be happening with the play caller change in Carolina. Nothing happened. Frank Reich has now taken that back. And we see the Dallas Cowboys. It looks like a pretty good bully whenever they play bad teams. I know it is on the other side of 10, but is that enough? All right. So what we need to do is talk about the home games that the Carolina Panthers have played because that is where this game is located, right? Uh, home to New Orleans, they lost 20 to 17. Home to Minnesota, that was Kirk Cousins, Minnesota. They lost 21 to 13. Home to Houston, they won a couple weeks ago. 
15-13. And then home to Indianapolis. They lost on Thursday in a 27-13 game in which there were two pick sixes that went against them. And I say all of that to say this. They're getting 10 and a half at home. And Dallas is a team that, you're right, Matt, can absolutely bully bad teams. However, the reason I bring up those home scores for Indianapolis is uh, for Carolina is that they are potentially going to be as healthy as they've been defensively for the entire season. Brian Burns is going to be in this game. And Ajiro Evero has proven to be one of the better defensive coordinators in terms of scheme in the league. So maybe the 10 and a half isn't your bag because you've had the privilege of watching the offense this year for the Carolina Panthers and the fact that Bryce Young might well be the worst starting quarterback in the league, not named DTR or Tommy DeVito. But maybe that leads you to play an under instead of Carolina. I don't mm-hmm. think there are going to be a ton of points in this game one way or the other. Uh, Steven, we uh, we called the Rico Dowdle uh, stuff last week. Hopefully people got in on that. I actually got a couple of tweets, people tweeting in saying that they actually did get in on that. So that was that's kind of fun. This could be another week for Rico Dowdle. And I, and I say this not because I think the Cowboys could be blowing them out. I think he's going to start stealing touches from um, in that backfield because if you look, his efficiency is much, much better right now. And it seems like when he's out on the field, he just looks like the better back. And so on top of the fact that there are 10 and a half point favorites, I think he might just be getting more touches than Pollard here down the stretch. So uh, I might go back to the well this week with that on Dowdle before the sports books catch up with some sort of role change. But what do you think about the 10 and a half? What do you think about the 42 and a half? Like the Rico angle. Uh, don't mind it at all. Uh, here are all of Adam's points and also whatever I'm laying the points. I'm taking the Cowboys here like 17 and a half last week against Tommy DeVito. Carolina doesn't have any type of real home field advantage at this point. Now we're getting 10 and a half. I, I think this should be two touchdowns. Carolina, I have at this point the number 31 team in the NFL, and it's basically the same tier as, as the Giants at this point. You know, Obviously, we know DeVito is probably not a viable NFL quarterback, but even though he was the number one pick in the NFL draft, I don't think Bryce Young is a viable quarterback right now. So not with this play-calling disaster, and it seems to me Frank Reich is desperate and maybe worried his job's on the line to take these duties back. It's not getting any better among quarterbacks with at least 50 plays this year. Bryce Young is 37th and 39th in EPA and success rate, um, respectively. So, yeah, I'll I'll lay the points. That's fine. And I also think more broadly with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I'm not talking about postseason success. We all know that the Cowboys, when they're going up in class, it's, it's tough for them. But they're bullies against the rest. And... Their schedule the next three weeks is very easy. I'd be surprised if they lose any of their next three games, and that includes a game against Seattle. Meanwhile, the Eagles have three games against the Chiefs and the Bills and the 49ers. So there have been some futures that I've been looking at the Cowboys that I think are going to mature very nicely over the next few weeks, starting with 4-1 to to win the NFC East. I think there's a chance that they're playing for either a share or perhaps even the outright lead when they have the rematch against the Eagles in a couple of weeks. If you look at the numbers Dak Prescott is putting up, he's putting up monster numbers more than any other quarterback in the league right now. We're starting to get some media personalities and in the sports world talk about him as a dark horse MVP candidate. And if you look at the schedule as well, not just the fact that he's playing easy teams, 
he's going to have the eyes of all the voters on him several times over the next five weeks with a couple of Thursday games, Fox America's Game of the Week games, a Saturday standalone game. He's going to have every opportunity to move up this odds board. Now, the winner of of Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes this week is going to take over as the favorite in that market. But I think you can make an argument that Dak should already be maybe the number three choice right now. So I think he has to win the division to win MVP. He's not going to be a wild card and win it. But at 35, the one right now, after it was 40 earlier this week, I still think there's some chance for this to age nicely as the year goes on. Yeah, I, I pushed back on you on Slack. I'll push back on you here. I, I don't agree at all. I, I think Dak's MVP case died in Philadelphia uh, in that last game because if this is a narrative award and it's still going to be a narrative award, Dak has something now to overcome. He doesn't have a clean path. And maybe that's why it's 35 to 1 and you can like it at 35 to 1. But Dak's decision making is something that is going to get extra scrutiny if anything goes wrong between now and the end of the season. And as you said, they have to beat Philadelphia and they're not a fundamentally better team than Philadelphia, although they did deserve a better fate in that game than what yes. they ultimately got. So I agree with you there, but you're talking about him needing a whole lot of things to go right, which as you said, 35 to one, you want to lay it out on 35 to one. If that fits within the rest of your profile, then sure. That makes sense to me. If you want to play it that way, because that is probably a better way to play Dallas than playing them for division or playing them for conference, because you're getting a better value on that. Yeah, I definitely don't want any Matt. I don't want any playoff outcomes with Dallas futures. We've yeah. seen what happens once they get to the elites in the playoffs, but everything I've talked about is about regular season situations yep. listen I, I don't I don't mind it I actually am kind of with you here because I don't think that this award is settled by any stretch of the imagination and if and he can go win it is the thing and like so I like to see I like to see clear paths like straight lines like can we draw a direct line he's gonna have to beat five playoff teams in a row and three of those games are in prime time if he beats five playoff teams in a row three island games he's gonna win the MVP like it's gonna happen like it would be Seattle it would be Seattle Philly Buffalo Miami and Detroit like I mean and three of those games are in prime time and so like he he can go win the award and so to put a long ticket in there on him given what they still have in front of him uh, I don't mind that at all actually the other the other side of it too is the other favorites in the market are either well behind him statistically like Lamar, Lamar Jackson or have a Lamar's lot of dead. Like, let, yeah, let's, let's, we got to get this out of here like what is going on here I mean like Lamar's know. dead he's not going to have the counting stats to get this done like it's just right. it's, just, it's a yeah. marriage of record and counting stats yeah. it's not the Heisman it's not just record so yeah. and all the other quarterbacks have a lot of interceptions already now Dak's got to keep that down too and the last thing I'll say as well now he's drifted a little bit already. He's you know you can still get thirty to one, but CD Lamb is on a heater right now. He has gotten a ton of targets, a ton of yards. The touchdowns are coming up as we sit now. He's only about a hundred yards behind Tyreek Hill. If this continues, then that's a monster price that's going to shorten over the next few weeks as well for Offensive Player of the Year. Adam, you have a, anything else on this? I would only say that Miami just went through one of the parts of their schedule that is going to be one of the harder ones and the the Tyree kill stats especially this week as we get to the game against Las Vegas that th this is the beginning of when the Tyree kill stats go back the the right direction for for Miami yeah I agree but half of my strategy here Adam like and this is a, a even a nice conversation generally speaking with betting 
I'm not saying that CD Lamb's going to go beat Tyreek Hill, but I think I might get some optionality in the last few weeks yeah. of the season where he's close enough where I can use some of that equity I've built up in potential profit from CD Lamb and just transfer it to Tyreek Hill if I get into a situation where it's basically going to be one or the other. Sure. And, and I think, you know, uh, we could probably get into a greater discussion of who's listening to this podcast and what the, you know, what the ultimate play here is. But, it, it, you know, I'm talking just here right now in terms of what I what I see with these guys. So here I hear you for sure if the, in terms of the way you're playing it. Yeah, I I like Dak better than I do better than I do Lamb. Um, but I, I think that Dak is at least interesting because he has a way to play his way into winning it. Like that's the, like that's the biggest thing, right? I mean, we know we know the island games make people's opinions change more than normal. It, it just does. Like, I mean, we see it. The odds change in real time in the island games. Like literally you sit there and watch and like people are betting the stuff and off of what they're watching. Cause everybody's watching at the same time. And so he has three opportunities to, uh, to, to really change people's sentiment and opinion on him uh, down the stretch here. Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. This is down to a point, point and a half in favor of the Browns. 32 and a half is available out there. There's a, mo- a lot of 33s as well. Steven, we have not seen a total this low uh, in a non-weather game, basically, since we have been doing this in like the era that we can like go back and look. You can see some of these totals that were like 32s and 33s, but it was in games that have like 40 mile an hour wins and stuff like that or whatever. But in a calm weather game, we have not seen a total this low. Uh, basically since we've been doing this uh, we know Deshaun Watson done for the season and the Steelers offense is the stink so what do you what do, what do you see here uh the Steelers and the Browns I hate Pittsburgh I think probably all three of us think they're the oh, most fraudulent team in the NFL we all hate Pittsburgh yeah really yeah Pittsburgh. I mean yeah. the fact they're six and three with the point differential they have is is the first indication of that we can go into advanced metrics there's no need to they're a fraudulent six and three they're lucky to be where they're at right now but at the same time, if you want to fade him this week, you need to bet on Dorian Thompson Robinson to win a game in the NFL. Like that's a with two backup tackles without his star running back. That's a big ask. So straight up against the spread, it's a stay away for me. But when this was, you know, Pittsburgh plus one and a half, I teased the hell out of it in a total oh. of 32. Like you're not going to get a more chalkboard Wong teaser than that. Right now it's still sitting at one. So you'd have to go six and a half teaser, which gets expensive. But just keep an eye on it. If we get back into teaser range here, either no, there's, side, a, there's, there's a couple point and a half out there still. So if you shop, well, there around, you go. There's a couple I'd be fine teasing either side of this game. I mean, this is the same total as Iowa versus Northwestern a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's. So, Adam, I just, again, people don't like talking about stale numbers. I, I just happened to be, I was watching Pat McAfee when they had, when he had on Schefter, and Schefter goes, yeah, they're actually going to go with Dorian Thompson-Robinson this week. They're not going to go with P.J. Walker. And I was like, are you serious? And I broke my fingers <laughs> opening my, my phone. And I, so I have Steelers plus four, like, before everybody just hammered that number whenever they said they were going to DTR. Um, I guess my question to you, and I did ask myself this after I made the bet because I was like, did I overreact here? Is there really a difference in DTR and PJ Walker? Because PJ Walker, according to the stats that we get, is literally a bottom three quarterback in the NFL. So even if DTR's worse, he's just going to be the worst quarterback in the NFL. The other guy was the third worst. So what does it really matter in all of this? Um, is it's the handicap is is the Browns defense good enough to hold the Steelers to like thirteen, and can the Steelers score you know seventeen? 
we're overreacting overall to the Browns quarterback situation. And we're overreacting because the time that we saw Dorian Thompson Robinson, remember the circumstances of that game. Everyone, all the way down to Kevin Stefanski, thought that Deshaun Watson was playing in that game. Deshaun Watson told everybody he was playing in that game. And then he went out pregame, tried out his shoulder, and could go. And that's what Dorian Thompson Robinson got thrown into. Um, they've had a week to game plan it. I don't believe that there is a significant difference between DTR and PJ Walker. And I want everybody to remember something. PJ Walker came in against San Francisco, played terribly, and Cleveland won. PJ Walker played against Indianapolis, played terribly, and Cleveland won. PJ Walker played at Seattle, played terribly, and they absolutely should have won that game. Seattle sucked out at the end on that one. So before you run to bet against Cleveland, keep in mind, of the teams we just mentioned, I think we're pretty in line that Pittsburgh is the worst offense of the four that we just talked about. And as for the total, I'll mention this much. Last week, I told you guys when it came to Cleveland and Baltimore playing that I didn't like an underlook because of the fact that both defenses were a threat to score in the game. Both defenses had a touchdown in the game. This is the same kind of game. They absolutely could have 14 defensive points in a game with a total that is 32 or 30, 33. I'm not playing this game in any way, shape, or form. I'm just giving you a bunch of thoughts that I have about the ways that this could play out. Yeah, it's it's like at the number I got, I like the Steelers at four, but if I had to bet it today, I'd bet the Browns at one. So it's kind of like I, the other side of a field goal, I think, is in a game like this, which probably is going to be disgusting. I'll take the other. I would have taken either team on the other side of a field goal, right? There, so, so yeah, yeah. Uh, either either team on the other side of field goal would have been a bet for me. And then now sitting at one, I'd probably play the Browns just strictly because we know they have. There's one good unit right on the field, and and there's one good unit on the field, and that is the Browns defense. And before people start talking about the the uh, Steelers defense, guys, I I you know before we knew about the Deshaun Watson stuff, I was talking to you guys in Slack, and I was like, hey. You know, by the way, if we kind of take a look here, what has transpired over the last little bit with this Steelers defense, and we're getting a Steelers defense that gave up, you know, a lot of yards to not great quarterbacks. I mean, I guess you could say Trevor Lawrence is 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 good, but I mean, 289 to Love, 262 to Levis, and 292 to Trevor Lawrence the last three weeks uh, against this Pittsburgh defense. And so... Maybe DTR can do enough on the offensive side. That's kind of why I said, like, at one, I would bet the Browns. Like, like I would just, I, I would bet on the defense to keep it low scoring and that DTR could do just enough to to win the thing. That's kind of where I would be on this one in the, in the grand scheme of things. All right, Chicago Bears and Detroit Lions. This is one that has fallen off of a cliff. You and I, <laughs> the three of us are talking on Slack. I said, I'm going to plug my nose and play 10 and a half on the Bears. And uh, I can't believe I'm going to do it. I had no idea it would fall this much. I thought that the other side of 10 and a half was, I mean, the other side of 10 was too much considering we kind of all knew it was going to be Justin Fields. It is going to be Justin Fields, Adam. Um, And so it has fallen now to seven and a half in favor of the Lions at home, a total of 48. Do you think the three-point move is justified knowing that, you know, kind of what we know about Justin Fields? No, not at all. Um, and and 
I can see where you plug your nose and take the 10 and a half. The 48 total is what scares me on playing the 10 and a half. And the fact that I think we're prisoners of a couple of things here. We're prisoners of what we've seen in the last few weeks from the Detroit defense, which is getting run over by Baltimore and getting run over by the Chargers. Let's keep in mind that game that Baltimore played against Detroit might be the single best offensive game outside of Miami that anyone has played this year. And the Chargers, for everything that is wrong with the Chargers on defense, when Justin Herbert is right, they have that in their bag on the offensive side of the ball. So uh, one of the very few plays that I have this week in a week that I don't like at all is a Detroit teaser now that it's down to seven and a half. Detroit to one and a half is something I have tied up with a couple of other teaser legs that we're going to talk about later in the show. Um, I realize that Chicago has been better in terms of its rush defense. It's been actually really, really good uh, over the last month in terms of rush defense. I'm not going to sell on this Detroit offense in any way, shape, or form because they absolutely lit up the Chargers as you would hope they would last week. The other thing that we're a prisoner of is the people who are betting this who are like Justin Fields, who have made a three-point adjustment on this, are the same people who wanted the Bears to be good this year. They wanted the Bears to be a contender at the beginning <laughs> of this season. They weren't a contender at the beginning of the season. They were never going to be a contender. And now we're trying to say that Justin Fields coming back makes a real difference. And we're trying to convince ourselves that he's better than he is. He's not. He wasn't good at the beginning of the season. He's not good now, and we're just all tired of watching teabag, teabag around, and that's why we're trying to tell ourselves it's going to be better. Steven, you gave me some caution um, before I put the bet in, just kind of showed me what this Lions team has done to inferior opponents, and they certainly have beat up on, on some inferior opponents. I lean a little bit into the Bears' defense actually being pretty good over the last month of the season. I mean, like, you know, yeah, I understand that the offense still needs to score if they're going to keep it within 10 and a half sitting at the seven and a half. I would play Adams angle in this. I don't think they win the game outright. Like I, I definitely don't think that. And if I can get this thing down to a point and a half where, you know, even if it's, even if the lions struggle and have to kick a field goal at the end of win, I mean, like it's, it, I, I have a hard time getting there for the bears winning outright. It was just more of a numbers play on the other side of 10 and a half um, where we sit at seven and a half and a 48. What do you think of this one? First of all, I love Adam's message to the Bears truthers sounding like Regina George and Mean Girls telling tell them to stop trying to make fetch happen. That was fantastic. Uh, but at this point, you know, my handicap was based on betting them at plus 10. That's why you got to get in the lines free discord if you're not already, because our staff's sharing the best of the numbers early in the week. So I'll, I'll give you my handicap of the game. And I think at this point, people out there need to decide whether you want to take Chicago more than a touchdown still at the worst of the number at this point or just tease the Lions down which I think is a fantastic option as well I see what you see with the Chicago defense I think they're improved although you have to give a caveat that it was against some pretty bad teams but for what it's worth since week five Chicago's defense is seventh in EPA and fourth in success rate in that same span the Lions defense is 24th in EPA and 31st in success rate also outside the top 20 versus the pass you also have two offenses here that rank top 10 in the NFL in rush rate. So if they're running the ball a lot and having longer drives, that's going to potentially increase variance and shorten the game, make it a little easier to cover inside a number. I will say I would, I don't know if I like seven and a half. I think I need eight. And for one reason in particular, 
when you have a game like this where you're trying to back a dog who I think you're you would agree is far more likely to be down 14 in the game than to win the game. And the proliferation of going for two when you score a touchdown down 14, I would much rather have that eight in my pocket than the seven and a half in case they miss the two point conversion. And now you're down eight instead of seven or six. So um, that's kind of my handicap. I don't know what I do at this point, but I think, uh, you know, lions teaser makes a lot of sense now that we move this far. I know we talked about the side here, guys, just a real quick, just a real quick, because I think people are, are curious. Adam, we see a 48, right? I mean, like this is like the biggest total of, of the week out here um, in a game that involves the Bears, right? And so, I, it, it to me, I think that this does scream at least a little bit of variance. I, I, so, let's talk about the line as it currently sits right now at seven and a half. I, I mean would you feel comfortable laying the seven and a half? You know, I'm giving you a free hundred map bucks. Like, are you, are you laying the seven and a half? Or are you taking the seven and a half of the bears? If my two choices are what to do with seven and a half points in today's NFL period, I'm taking seven and a half points. There aren't a lot of teams in the yeah. NFL right now that are seven and a half points better than opponent. And I also watched, yeah. I watched the Tyson Bajan bears put up 30 on the Raiders. So I know they can score. I know they can be a part of this game. So that tells me that I'll take seven and a half points if that's my option. Yeah, it's just it's just it's interesting because it the total suggests that the Bears are going to be able to to put some points on the board. Um, so it could, could be a little bit of variance there, maybe a backdoor type situation uh, with with fields. Arizona Cardinals and the Houston Texans. This is now up to six at a few different books out there in favor of the Texans over the Cardinals. 48 is the total in this one. Steven, we know Kyler Murray came back last week. Kyler Murray looked pretty damn good for considering he had not played in a year. Uh, now he's got a game under his belt, another week of practice, another um, little get, getting a little bit more familiar with, with the guys that are out there on the field. And we have a Houston Texans team that might be at the absolute market peak right now. I don't think we would have looked at down this schedule. Even, even when we thought the tech, the Cardinals were going to be the absolute worst team in the NFL. I don't think we'd have looked at this game and ever thought we'd see a six in favor of the Texans in any game over the course of the NFL season. It's tempting for me to take the six on the Cardinals, not in the account right now. What say you? As much as I hate to say it, it's it feels uncomfortable, but I think it would only be Cardinals at six for me. Um, first of all, it seems our staff is in agreement with this bump up for the Texans market rating. All but one person on our staff has the Texans between 12 and 14 overall. Now, the Cardinals, I appear to be on an island here because everybody still had them between 26 and 30. I bumped them all the way up to 22nd with Kyler Murray back, basically on the logic that he is at least a functional quarterback who played a game in his return last week with more than six yards per play. And I just would rather have him than some of these other teams with nothings at quarterback, like the Titans with Will Levis and you know, at the time I ranked this, the Rams with Brett Rippon, and that's not the case now, but the Packers with right. Jordan Love, you know, you get my point, like Zach Wilson and the Jets. I at least think the Cardinals can move the ball. And then I went and looked at the consensus market ratings. So I was like, all right, how, how far up do I want to move them? But then the consensus market ratings actually still had the Texans lower than I thought they were too. So I think the correct answer is both of the teams had to be moved up from where they currently are to be where I would have them. 
And then you get by doing that for this game, essentially not too far off from six. You're basically in that five, five and a half window if you do that, in my humble opinion. So I don't think there's a ton of value here. And I still think the Cardinals defense is hideous. So Stroud could absolutely go nuclear again in this game. Um, I did bet Cardinals plus four and a half earlier in the week when the first move was towards them, worried that it was going to move to four. It stayed at four for a while before the big money came in back on the Texans. So I don't have a strong opinion in this game. I did bet Arizona four and a half. It would only be Arizona at six at this point, but I'm not going to push back on somebody who's going to go Texans on the other side. Adam, I had not seen that this had gotten to six uh, until until recently. It was five, five and a half sitting in that dead territory for a while. Now we're getting this money coming in here. On the Texans, I understand the Cardinals are still bad, but this is this has to be the absolute peak of the Texans, right? I mean, like, could it could it possibly be higher from a market standpoint and a market sentiment than what we're getting right now? I mean, they are damn near touchdown favorites. I mean, the the Houston Texans are, are freaking six point favorites in a game. At the same time, how hard can you argue it, right? I mean, that's the market is telling you this, that this didn't open six, right? This didn't open six. And the books were like, yeah, we, we see it with Houston. The, the market looked at this thing at four and has bedded out to six, even with a little bit of positive sentiment around Kyler Murray coming back for the Arizona Cardinals. So you have to respect that in and of itself. My rating, I make it Houston four. Um, that's not enough for me to come in on six with Arizona. I'm going to pass on this game other than, if this total gets any higher than where it is right now, I will be looking toward an under. Uh, 47 and a half is at least going to be a thought on under for me. And that is not based on these two teams in specific. It is based on this is 2023 in the NFL. And getting to a total like that is highly unlikely without two very functional offenses on the field. We know Houston's offense is that functional. We don't know for sure that Arizona's is. We have one week of Kyler Murray back and looking relatively good against an Atlanta defense that uh, it's better than we thought it was going to be, right? We, like the, the new additions have worked to the Atlanta defense, but it's not great. So I'm not willing to go back that hard on Arizona and you know move their number that far up based on what they did against the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I will say, and this is, I know it's just a, a two-week wonder here, but it is of note. It does not look like Noah Brown is going to play for the Texans in this one. He has had two monster games in a row for this team. Uh, he's DNP'd all week, so it doesn't look like he's going to be able to go for them. So that is at least of note, I think, in this one just a tad. Las Vegas Raiders and the Miami Dolphins, um, for whatever reason, this opened at 10. It was the first bet I put in my account. It is now all the way up to 13 and a half, um, 46, 46 and a half is your total. Adam, I, I don't know how in the, I, I guess this was an out of sight, out of mind. The Dolphins were on by. And so it just was like, oh, the Raiders have won a couple games in a row against terrible teams and the Dolphins are on by like whatever. They're only 10 points better. I was like, are you kidding me? Like what, in what world is this Dolphins team? Not basically two touchdowns better than the Raiders. Now the market is caught up. W what do you think of it at 13 and a half? And what do you think of a 46 and a half total? Yeah, I mean, this game's pass all around for me. Uh, I'm not getting involved in yeah. any way. Um, I make it Miami eight to eight and a half, but I also am very conservative when it comes to making adjustments for good teams against bad teams in 2023. Again, in terms mm -hmm. of how far apart they are. 
we know Miami can run up the score against a bad defense. Are the Raiders a bad defense? I don't think they're a bad defense. I think they're I think they're a slightly below average defense. I think they're a defense that's probably in reality in the 20s. Max Crosby can cause havoc. Tua has at least had some of the Tua brain interceptions that we've seen of late that would give me pause at 13 and a half. But considering I'm not playing this game, I'll uh, cede the floor back to you guys if you have any other strong opinions. Steven, it is a Dolphins team. I have power rated fifth in the NFL, and I wouldn't have thought that coming into the season either. But, you know, again, we've just seen whether it be injuries, whether it be teams disappointing, where there are a lot of really bad teams right now. I have them very high and I have the Raiders very low. And so, you know, for me, I still think I would either lay it or pass in this. I can't imagine taking the points with the Raiders. What do you see here at, at let's call it, you know, 13 and a half seems to be the market consensus. Despite the fact that the Dolphins haven't showed up in their biggest games this year, I still think this is the team that has the highest potential ceiling to unseat the Chiefs when we get to the playoffs. You got to consider that a lot of this season they have not been playing with a full set of healthy players on defense with a new defensive coordinator in Vic Fangio. I'm hoping the bye week is a is a good time for them to reset and start playing even better defensively than they were with a unit that was already near the top of, of pressure rate in the NFL. I mean, I think you got a couple of underrated guys there in the front four. Um, so I, I think the ceiling's huge here for Miami. Again, get in the Discord, guys, for the lines. We bet this nine and a half on the look ahead last week because we knew none of the Dolphins would get hurt on their bye week. So um, the, the number is too far gone for me at this point. It's just bad process most of the time to take the worst of the number when it's moved four points in the NFL. But at the same time, I do want to throw a prop out at you because mm-hmm. Josh McDaniels gets fired. Pierce talks all week and the players talk all week about wanting to be tough and physical and run the ball. And they give Josh Jacobs 26 carries following week. They say all the same things. They give him 27 carries. You can get plus 240 for Josh Jacobs to have 20 rushing attempts in this game. And my concern is the potential negative game script, but I'm also not sure it's going to stop them from just doing it anyway. So that that's kind of a look I'm seeing here. Plus 240 on Josh Jacobs, 20 carries. I would pass based on game state. Um, I, I don't. I yeah. just think the Raiders are going to be too far behind too quickly to continue to force feed the ball to Jacobs. I also think that considering his propensity for injury, you probably pull him off the field by the third quarter in this game, and he's not really a part of anything again. I understand the price. I get that and liking the price, but I, I have too many concerns about where the game goes to to play Josh Jacobs on rushing attempts. Yeah, for what it's worth, I have him at 15 and a half. So it's a pretty big lean to the under for me on, yeah. on that. And that's, again, that's, that's based on game state. And obviously, I have a Dolphins bet. So that plays into projections as well. That was my concern. Yeah. So appreciate the yeah. feedback. Over on my end. Uh, New York Giants and the Washington Commanders. This is as low as eight and a half in the market right now on the Commanders. As high as nine and a half. If you look around, 36 and a half to 37 is your total. Adam, the Giants are doing it right, and like I know people are going to like chuckle, but you and I and and Stephen have talked about this in the in the Slack. They're like, yeah, they're doing it right. I mean, like they should go out and try to lose, and they should, in fact, try to get one of those top draft picks. They only owe Daniel Jones money next year. After that, they can void everything, and so yeah, you you have one year of 
of him costing you a lot of money and you can move on and uh, hopefully have a franchise quarterback of the future. So they're sticking with DeVito and the commanders have been plucky. I just don't know. This was at 10 and people are like, okay, 10 is too much. The commanders are not double digit favorites over anyone. So we hadn't seen 10 quite some time. What do you think about eight and a half all the way to nine and a half? Under Tommy DeVito. (laughs) And if you want more than that, I can give you more than that. But if you want me to stop it under Tommy DeVito, I probably could. I don't care that the number is 37. And let me tell you why. Because the last time these teams got together a few weeks ago, it was Terod Taylor. And the final was 14-7 in favor of the Giants, in case you were wondering. Um, This is the absolute market peak for Washington. However, you cannot look at this game and feel comfortable laying points over a touchdown with Washington because of the fact that the Giants defense, they've gotten exposed, right? Because they've had to be on the field far, far, far too much. So maybe it's not even exposed. They've gotten worn down by having to be on the field as much as they've been on the field. This defense is functional against bad teams. They showed it against Washington last time. Only way I can play this game is under 37. And frankly, I know 37 is not a big number. If you wanted to alt this down to 34, I wouldn't argue with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I actually played Washington a teaser leg. Um, I, I took the eight and a half down to two and a half. I couldn't believe that they put it into teaser range. Honestly, I thought they would have stopped at nine. Uh, them getting down to eight and a half, it was just too much for me to pass up. I don't love the commander's team, obviously, but look, the Giants, like I said, the Giants are doing it right. They're trying to lose. They should try to lose, and they should they should certainly play as inefficiently as possible and try to put the personnel out there to lose games, and Washington's in kind of no man's. I actually think they're going to settle on Howell, at least give him a, a go at all this and everything, so like they don't need a quarterback, they, they're whatever, so I think they're going to try to win some games. I think getting this to under a field goal, Stephen, is the play, but I'm never laying this big a number with Washington. Just, just no way. Not happening. 100% agree. As we record Friday afternoon, most of the books have gone back out of teaser range, but there is one in particular that has the best price on teasers that's still sitting at eight and a half right now. So hopefully when you hear this, it's still available. I think that's fine because I don't think the Giants have any interest in winning games at this point, to be honest with you. So that's not going to translate to actual tanking in the middle of the game on the field, but everything they're doing leading up to the game tells you, especially with DeVito rest of season, that they're like you you guys said they're doing it the right way they have their eye on the actual prize at this point yeah good on them good on that and i think that this is a an excellent teaser leg if you can find the eight and a half for sure los angeles chargers and the green bay packers this is now an expensive three look like we're heading to three and a half uh 43 and a half to 44 is your total so the chargers lose to the lions last week in a track meet and you get a green bay packers team that you know, Love actually looked – Oh, I, re- I rewatched the game because that was one of the ones I wasn't really paying attention to. Love looked okay at times. Like, he still makes some plays where you shake your head. But, you know, could they have some offensive success against this Chargers defense that's given it up to everybody? It's a banged-up Keenan Allen. He's, it looks like he's going to play, but, like, he's banged up. Could one shot take him out of the game? And now who in the hell – is Justin Herbert going to throw two? I can't lay three on the road with the Chargers. I just can't do it. Uh, Steven, what are you looking at here in this one? 
never chargers at this price. I yeah. was able to find a three and a half on Green Bay at minus 120, but I had to get a little creative. Sometimes when you have a, a side like the Chargers that's sitting at Chargers minus three at minus 120, the other side's going to be Packers plus three at even money. But if you go and click into the book and move the spread or find an alternate spread, that's how I was able to find Green Bay plus three and a half at the minus 120. So just a, a tip out there for everybody who's in the sportsbook app world. I agree with you, man. If they put up 5.8 yards per play against the Rams and 6.1 yards per play against the Steelers, why can't Jordan Love in this offense do the same thing against the Chargers defense, who even before last week getting throttled by the Lions were still bottom 10 in every advanced metric and currently sit right now 29th in yards per play allowed for this pitiful Chargers defense. So, yeah, I, I think three in the hook is just fine here for Green Bay at home in the elements against a dome team. Adam, I don't like backing Jordan Love, but I think if this thing gets to three and a half, if I, if I can get a three and a half, and it looks like it's heading that direction, I I might do it. I, I think that the Chargers defense is just bad enough to keep Green Bay in this thing for a while. And if you're telling me they got to win by the other side of a field goal, I just don't know if that's going to be the case for me. So I, I, I'm almost secretly hoping it doesn't get to three and a half so I don't have to bet the Packers, but uh, <laughs> I think that would be the buy point for me. So to, to, to further Steven's point, I think we can make a blanket statement for people who are newer to this. If the difference between three and three and a half is 10 cents, do it. Like, like yeah. Most people who are listening to us are not betting the kind of stakes where you're going to get yourself in trouble buying points at 10 cents. Right? I mean, really, anything up to $50, $100 bets, it's not going to cost you such a significant amount that it's going to be a problem in the long run. It's going to give you much better probability of winning your bet in the end so that being said matt i'm going to throw a question back to you about mm -hmm. whether or not to play the packers if you think the packers are going to be live in this game you think packers are live in a low scoring game or a high scoring game lower scoring game interesting okay i do not I, see I think where the, the Packers opposite. are. yeah i think I, the opposite I, for the record adam i think if the packers are live I think the Packers are live because of the fact that the Chargers defense is as bad as it is. Um, and we saw last week against, we can at least call Pittsburgh a functional defense, right? We're not calling them the best defense in the league, but we can call Pittsburgh a functional defense. Yes. The functional. Green Bay was able to have some level of offensive success. So to me, if the Packers are live, they're live in a game that plays to a higher score. I am not someone, as you've heard earlier in this pod, who is, Big on overs, but I do have a lean toward over here if you like the Packers. Uh, 44 is the current number at the moment. I think the one thing you can feel confident about is that the Chargers can score, and the Chargers are playing the kind of game right now that's going to allow them to put points on the board. Justin Herbert gets farther and farther away from that broken finger on the throwing hand, and the farther he gets away from it, the better this offense has been playing, and Green Bay's defense is terrible. Um all of that said, the one place that I would feel comfortable, because I don't want to trust the Chargers, I don't want to trust the Packers, I am leaning toward over. I would like to know for 100% sure that Keenan Allen would be not just a go, but a full go. Uh, the sprain that he has in his shoulder, he's saying he's playing, but I don't really know how much he's going to be playing. So maybe it's a situation to wait till the game starts and play it live. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's... It 
there's some pause there, right? If he doesn't go or if we knew he was only, you know, 70% or something like that, because that wide receiver core is just absolutely. That, just that's why up. I bought the juice and, and did three and a half because of the Keenan Allen situation. I was very confident that he's not going to be anywhere near 100% in this game. And I thought the greater likelihood was that he was going to, you know, potentially get a, a questionable or a doubtful tag. And mm. we'd start going back the other way on the spread. So. I'd be surprised if we get a flat three and a half in this game, to be honest, with the Keenan Allen situation. Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is seven in favor of Jacksonville. It is 39 and a half to 40 is your total. So last time we saw Jacksonville, they were out there getting waxed by the 49ers. And I got to be honest, I didn't really count that against the Jags too much because a well, like a fully healthy 49ers team is a top three, four team in the NFL, right? And like that is the elite tier. And then, yes, Jacksonville's in the good tier, but there's a there's a pretty big difference between that tier and the good tier. And so, like, I didn't really hold too much against them in that. I mean, you know, would it have gotten interesting? It was 20 to seven, 20 to three. They were marching down the field. They were at the 10 yard line. Kirk fumbles the ball and you know, could it have gotten to 20 to 10 would have gotten interesting? Who knows? So I, I I'm, I'm okay with the Jags. I teased it down to one. It was part of the other, of these other teaser legs that I talked about. I have it in there with Washington. I have it in there with another one, but so I think down to one, them just to win the game against Will Levis seems pretty fair um, to me. I, I, what say you, Adam? Yeah, this is my Megan Trainer game of the week. My name is no, my sign is no, my number is no. I don't want anything to do with this game. Nothing. Um, I I want absolutely nothing to do with the total, with the side. Levis has shown you really good. He's shown you really bad. The Jaguars have shown you really good. They've shown you really bad. Uh, I, there's just nothing interesting to me about this game, so I'll let you guys take the reins. Steven, um, you know, it's a, it's a Jags defense that, yeah, I guess – if we want to say got exposed by the 49ers, uh, you know, they were a top five unit and the majority of the advanced metrics out there. But like I said, like the 49ers are just going to do that to a lot of teams. Like they're just going to go out and beat the hell out of a lot of teams. And so again, like now in comes the Titans. I think it's more of the top five, six unit against the Titans than it is, you know, against the 49ers. So I don't know. I just don't know how the Titans score very many points in this one. So I thought, I thought teasing this thing down to one was, was, I'm not going to call it a slam dunk, but I thought it was a, a pretty solid play. We had Taylor Swift references on the show earlier in the year. I don't know what the odds were of a Mean Girls and a Megan Trainer reference in the same show, but it would have been a, a fat number, let me tell you, coming into this. Uh, yeah, I'm with you guys. I will, I will at least make a devil's advocate argument here for Jacksonville. If you look at their wins this year, they're by a touchdown or more in every game against uh, every game except the Buffalo game in London. And their three losses are to the Chiefs, the 49ers, and C.J. Stroud. So they kind of seem like one of those above-average teams that beat up on the below-average teams. That that would be my devil's advocate argument. But at this point, to be honest with you, like my preseason hopes for Jacksonville are out the window as long as Press Taylor is still more in charge than Doug Peterson is in in scheming up this offense. I'm just, I just don't want them. I want to stay off of them. Um, they confuse the hell out of me at this point, to be honest with you. Tampa Bay Bucks and the San Francisco 49ers. This is 11 and a half, 12 in favor of the Niners at home over the Bucks, 41 and a half 
is the total. If you were looking to back the Bucks, good news for you that Mike Evans was a full participant in practice, so he'll be out there for the Bucks, who will likely be trailing and would certainly need him if you need a backdoor cover type of situation. We just talked about the Niners going out and looking like the Niners from the first five weeks of the season as opposed to the three weeks leading into the bye. So I have them back up into the top four in my power ratings. Steven, the number, though, is on the other side of 10. On the other side of 11, it is 12 at most places or an expensive 11 and a half. The, the question I guess you have to ask yourself handicapping this game, it's still Baker Mayfield, it's still Mike Evans, it's still Chris Godwin. How open is the back door in garbage time? I think it's pretty open. Um, I think if there is a weakness in the 49ers defense this year, it has been against the pass. And you have to decide whether or not last week against Jacksonville solved all the issues with, you know, Kyle Shanahan getting more involved with the defense and Steve Wilkes coming down to the sideline. They obviously made some changes there defensively in the way they execute things. So you got to decide if that's got some staying power moving forward. So um, it's a, it's a similar situation to what the Bucks had last week, at least in terms of a defense that's really good, uh, pretty good at stopping the runner, at least has a, a formidable front four that you would want to throw more against Tennessee's a a pass funnel defense. And in that game, Baker Mayfield had 29 rush attempts and the bucks had 29. I'm sorry. Baker Mayfield had 29 passing attempts and the bucks had 29 rushing attempts. So part of that was game state. They were up pretty big most of the game, but um, that's pretty decent from Baker Mayfield, 29 passing attempts. I, I want to take the points here because I think the back door would be open. I think Godwin and Evans can do enough against against this uh, the secondary. I just can't trust that Todd Bowles is going to have a pass rate over expectation. I can't ever trust that. So it's a stay away for me. Adam, I don't really want to handicap on whether Shanahan is going to pull starters out of the game or anything like that. That's kind of in a lot of times for me a fool's errand because we're just trying to guess complete guess. We have absolutely no idea, but I guess if I had to lean away, they've seen what this team looks like whenever they're not at full strength and it is broken and things don't work right and all that. And so I feel like he would be more prone to like get McCaffrey on the sideline, get Debo on the sideline, or at least really reduce how often they're out there on the field. If this thing gets into the fourth quarter and it's kind of out of hand. So I don't know. I think I'd have to take the points with the Bucks. Maybe it's a contest play for me as opposed to whatever. Like maybe I'm taking the points in the contest, but I don't know if I want to lay it here because even if the Niners are up 17 in the fourth quarter, if they're up 20 in the fourth quarter, I think that the Bucks are still live. And so I don't know. What, what do you think with the number getting up to 12 now? I am really talking myself off. Tampa I'm not going to do it it's not even a lean for me at this point I it's it's tempting right and I think they've left the number in a place that is tempting because of the fact that Baker Mayfield has been functional this year um Mm -hmm. he has been by the composite of EPA and CPOE he's been 13th in the league uh and on the other side of this you might be surprised to hear the fact that the number one rush EPA defense against in the league is Tampa Bay Buccaneers um Vitave at all up the middle makes it harder to run the ball. The thing is, 
San Francisco doesn't need to run the ball up the middle. They can run the ball anywhere they want. They can run the ball off tackle. They can run the ball with Debo Samuel. They they can they can run jet sweeps. They can do whatever they want. So I'm going to pass on this game. Um, would it surprise me at all if I were sitting there on Sunday afternoon banging my head against the wall because the 49ers had won this game 31 to 17? And I thought to myself, ah. I felt good about taking those points with the Bucks, and look how close I came. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about this. You know, now that I look at this, I think the over is the play here. Like, is there a world that exists where the Niners don't score 27? Like, I don't think so. Like, I mean, I don't think there's a world that exists that they don't score 27 points. And now we're asking very, very little out of Tampa to get this thing over 41 and a half. I could see that. And if we think that there could be yeah. any sort of garbage time, right? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I mean, look, you would have yeah, lost. Yeah, I think you would have lost a lot of money at this point betting on the Niners and the Brock Purdy era to not reach 30 points in any given game. So there's that. There's also the Bucks have played a, a handful of games here against upper echelon teams in the NFL. They lost by 14 to the Eagles. They lost by 14 to the Lions. They should have lost by 14 to the Bills, if not for a miracle fourth down backdoor cover. So they have not shown any uh, ability to compete with the top tier this year so far. Yeah, and I think the last thing I'll make here is if if, if we believe it's like chase down territory, if we believe it's over, and all, then the correlated play too is, I mean, Mike Evans receiving props at 55 and a half yards. I mean, the only way, the only way Tampa scores 17, the only way that they chase from behind is going to be Mike Evans and whatever. I, I mean, well, so you almost make a correlated bet in that as well to where in, in, in 55 and a half, like for that to get home, he's going to have to, he's going to have to have 60 yards in the game. Well, and, yeah, and I want to throw something at you, Matt, that actually supports yeah. that thesis. If you look on the season, Tampa in terms of drop back EPA is ninth in the league. You know where they are in success rate? 29th in the league. Explosive yeah. <laughs> plays is what that tells you. And you don't need that many explosive plays from Mike Evans to get to 55 yards. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a nice little correlated play. I'm writing that down to put in the account whenever we get out of here. So Niners, Bucks. All right. Going to get that over in the account. Going to put a Mike Evans in there. Bet basketball, baseball, or golf with a bonus bet of up to $1,050 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code PLAYBONUS50 and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. The Lions podcast listeners can get the BetMGM app today and use promo code PLAYBONUS50 to claim your exclusive welcome bonus of up to $1,050 after your first bet. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. This is a new customer offer, 21 years or older to wager. Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. U.S. promotional offers not available in Nevada, New York, or Ontario. Please gamble responsibly. Have a gambling problem? 
Call 1-800-GAMBLER in D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Kansas, and Nevada, call 1-800-522-4700. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050. In Iowa, call 800 bets off and call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. All right, New York Jets and the Buffalo Bills. This is seven in favor of the Bills at home over the Jets. 39 and a half to 40 is your total. Steven, I, I, there are people out there who are saying that this is now undervalued like the bills are now undervalued right that is like yeah they've looked a little they've looked bad and so now we're disrespecting them it's only seven it's against the jets etc 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 i think it's properly lined i don't think we're disrespecting the bills the jets defense is still pretty good do i think they can win no because at the end of the day the offense is just inept but i think seven is about right and so I can't. I can't really go anywhere with this in the, at this current number. I agree. You know me. I am not conservative when it comes to putting sides into my account in any given week. But at this point, we've been talking about it for weeks. At seven, you still need them to win by more than a touchdown for you to cash your bet, which is not a proposition I'm interested in at this point with the Buffalo Bills. So. On the flip side, I'm not interested in backing the Jets offense anymore. They've kicked me in the nuts twice now with yeah. against bad opponents and they couldn't move the ball. And, you know, Zach Wilson stepped out of bounds by a centimeter or perhaps they would have, you know, had a chance late in the game against the Raiders. It, they can't move the ball. They're not scoring offensive touchdowns. I don't know how I can back a team like that. And I know that the entire Buffalo Bills fan base is disgruntled and banging their heads against the wall right now. But without even playing a game yet this week, their grim playoff chances at least improved with Deshaun Watson being out for the year and who knows how long Joe Burrow is out as well. So this to me at least has a little bit of similarities with the midseason 49ers the past couple of years where it looks grim, but if they can get in, then they have a puncher's chance. I'm not ruling out the Bills yet because in terms of moving the ball and yards per play, they are still fantastic. You just got to stop fumbling the ball. Gabe Davis has to not let the ball go through his hands. Like some of this turnover variance, if it just comes back a little bit the other way, I still think the ceiling is there. They have a late season bye week to hopefully get the defense a little bit healthier. I'm just saying I'm I'm not closing the door yet on Buffalo rest of season, especially at the prices we currently have. And the landscape of the AFC playoff picture with the Browns and the Bengals. And if this were to tick back to six and a half, I would bet it. Adam, could I interest you in a plus 160 on a under a half a touchdown pass on Zach Wilson? Because, I mean, do we think this, do, do we think they are going to trust him to throw the ball when they get inside the 10 yard line? Or is it just going to be Brees Hall over and over and over again? Uh, plus 160 seems like a pretty juicy number 
on all that. What do you, what do you make of this one? Two teams really, really struggling right now. Yeah, I think you're getting the proper amount of price on Garrett Wilson breaking a crossing route there. Uh, you're not looking at the red zone so much as you are Garrett Wilson getting, catching a 10-yard pass well, and running and 7 yards. And apparently Sala says he has a a, a a he has some hurdles to 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 cross apparently to even play in this game. So that's another that, that's uh, well, something then else play. to, to yeah, note Yeah, that here. that then you're getting yeah. then you're getting good value on on plus 160. Look, it correlates yeah. to I, I have two confident plays this week. And, I, and Steven just said he's not shy about putting in sides. I told you guys before we started this thing today, this is the first week in a long time. I have zero, zero sides, zero straight sides, because that's how much I'm on market with most of these games. And the one game where I'm off market on Sunday night, I'm going to tell you I have a different way of playing it. Under 39 and a half. Guys, this is not about is the Bills offense really good or not good. It's about the fact that we've already seen this Bills offense this year as healthy as it was ever going to be against the Jets defense in week one. And they needed overtime to get 16 points. The Jets needed a special team score to get to 22. A game went to overtime and we had 38 points. What makes you think it's going to be different this week? We just watched what Zach Wilson could do against a middling defense in the Raiders. Well, Buffalo is a middling defense. And whatever is wrong with Buffalo's offense being able to convert advanced stats into points, I'm not interested in trying to figure that out. What I'm interested in trying to figure out is, is it going to happen against the Jets? Probably not. So in today's NFL, under 39 and a half, I feel plenty confident that this What's a high-scoring outcome? For this game, I lose this thing at like 27 to 14, right? That's a high scoring outcome for these two teams. And I don't think we get there. I, I'm not putting anything into the firing of Ken Dorsey and Joe Brady taking over and all that. Like, I mean, listen, that was just a scapegoat situation for McDermott and whatever. So like, I'm not like, <sighs> Ken Dorsey can't make Josh Allen not, you know, not throw a ball into triple yeah. coverage. Like Ken Dorsey can't make Gabe Davis, like, you know, not have the ball ricochet off his hands five times in a game. I mean, it's just like, that was the biggest, that was the biggest scapegoat firing, like in a long time. Hey, Ken. Hey, Ken. Brian Dable is going to have a top two pick this year. Let's get the band <laughs> back together. Let's go. Get on back. <laughs> get on back over there, buddy. Yeah. It's to me. To me, it feels just kind of like a gross game. I, I I can get there with you, Adam. I I can get there with you on the under. Feels feels like this one could be gross. Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams. This is either a pick or one in favor of Seattle. 46, 46 and a half is your total. Matthew Stafford is going to be back for the Rams. So that is good for all receivers and anybody who wants to back the Rams in this game. Adam, if you take a look at this one. It is a Seattle team that at times shows you that like, oh, wow, they might be good. And then there are times where that you look at them and Gino's getting pressured and he's doing weird things and stuff where you look and it's like, oh, this is a very average NFL team. Which team's going to show up here against this Rams and uh, a supposedly healthy Matthew Stafford? And that's the key word, is supposedly healthy on Matthew Stafford, which kind of makes this impossible for me to, to properly handicap. Uh, you could play a teaser on this thing. It's not long, but I do think that you could get back to the point where it's seven. If anybody got it earlier in the week when it was two and a half and you got out to eight and a half, God bless, uh, good for you. 
Um, for me, I look at it and see where the total has moved down to 46 and a half in most spots. If Stafford and Nakua are both given the all clear, I think you're going to see this thing move back toward the 48 where it was. And I would want the under at that point because of the fact that this Seattle offense is an offense that kind of teases you with potential. They tease you with Geno Smith being able to throw the football. What they really want to do is run. They, they want to keep the ball on the ground. They want to shorten the game. And I also believe that the Rams offense, supposedly healthy Matthew Stafford, right? Supposedly healthy Puka Nakua. I, I would rather be under on one of the bigger totals of the week when there's a lot of supposedly going on. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. Um, Steven, it is... It is a, it, I think a lot of people, maybe if hadn't been paying attention, if we told you that Seattle was only a one-point favorite over the Rams, people might be like, what, are you serious? I, I, I can't believe that. I wouldn't be surprised if thing goes off as a pick Like I said, there is a pick out there right now. I think a lot of people are probably going to support the Rams. It seems to be a very trendy pick this week for sure. People can debate whether it should be one or one and a half or two. It's it's not three either way here, so it doesn't really matter. It's mostly meaningless numbers we're debating. I've been waiting all week for this to tick back to one and a half so I could tease the Rams up to plus seven and a half, and it just has not gotten there. So I'll wait some more, see if we ever get there. If we do, I'll consider it, put it in the Discord if I do bet it. But this is... This seems about right to me. I don't know what to do with this game, to be honest with you. I have no idea what to do with this game at the current number straight up. I One prop that I would throw out there to people is um, Zach Charbonnet seems to be cutting into uh, the work there for Kenneth Walker. And I know Kenneth Walker has been dealing with injuries and he's been kind of banged up here and there and whatever. Uh, 27 and a half is the rushing prop there for um, for Zach Charbonnet. And he has been, like I said, he's been creeping into this kind of like, oh, almost relevant role Matt, here. can I put a number on that for you? Let me put yeah. a number on that for you. Charbonnet played less than 30% of the snaps every week through week seven. Last three weeks for Seattle, he has played 52 to 59% of the snaps. Yeah, so I mean that's that's all you need to hear. I mean, twenty seven and a half is his is his rushing prop right now, guys. Like, um, if he gets those carries that we think that might be kind of siphoned away from Kenneth Walker a little bit, like like this number is extreme, like way 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 too low. Um, so uh, just something to throw out there if you do want to get in on the on the prop streets a little bit. Twenty seven and a half on on Zach Charbonnet seems like might be in for we might be in for a little bit of a role change there in that one. Minnesota Vikings and the Denver Broncos. This is two, two and a half in favor of the Broncos at home. 42 and a half is your total. Steven, it's the Josh Dobbs show continues to roll on. And it is a Broncos team that has looked much, much, much better over the last month of the season. There's just no denying. And I said this leading in when I had a Broncos ticket and all these things like we, we have clowned on Russell Wilson on this very podcast. I have clowned on Russell Wilson on other podcasts. I have clowned on Russell Wilson for the last couple of years. With the quarterback play that's in the NFL right now, Russell Wilson is a top 10 quarterback. And like that's just all there is to it because the quarterback play is so bad right now in the NFL. And so the question becomes, on the road, 
at altitude, two weeks into town. Does not look like Justin Jefferson's going to be back. Does look like KJ Osborne is, though. Um, can Josh Dobbs do it again? That's the question. Yes. Yes, he can. Did you Denver, play the money line? Did you take the points? What did you do? <laughs> I've been begging for this to touch three all week. I don't think we're going to get there. I, I would love a Vikings plus three. So I'm, I just teased it at this point. A um, couple other good teaser options this week. So I, I, have, I have Minnesota uh, up to eight and a half. I wouldn't shock me in the least if they win this game. I mean, that had to be the most fraudulent win of the year for the Broncos the other night. Minus 2.9 yards per play differential against Buffalo in that game. They get the miracle of all miracle defensive performances in that game. And they did nothing with it to the point where they still almost lost the game. Like minus 2.9 yards per play usually means you lose the game by multiple touchdowns. So I don't buy this Broncos offense in the least. I do buy that the drop off from Kirk Cousins to Dobbs, even without Justin Jefferson, is not nearly as big as what we all thought it would be. Small sample, mind you, but at least with Dobbs in Minnesota, he's got an expected completion percentage of 70%. And that's not me giving Dobbs credit. That's me giving Kevin O'Connell, who I think might be the best coach in the NFL, or at least on the short list, um, and also the ability of the receivers to create separation. So if his floor, when the ball comes out of his hands, is for the ball to be completed 70% of the time. It's a pretty good starting point for your offense. And on the on the flip side, if everybody is going to give the Broncos credit for their defense being healthier and playing better after both of these teams started 0-3, well, since that 0-3 start, the Minnesota defense is fourth by EPA. Denver's defense is 17th. Minnesota's defense is 11th by EPA. Denver's is still in the tank near the bottom of the league. So this line, if you take away home field advantage, is still implying the Broncos are still a little bit better than the Vikings. I completely disagree with that at this point. Tell me I'm wrong. I don't know. That's where no, I'm at. I, So, Adam, like, you know, we see the Denver come out of the bye last week, and I was like, you know, let, let's see if Sean Payton still has his fastball, right? Like, what's going on here? It's – one of the things that, like, it seems to me, for whatever reason, he does not want to do with Russell Wilson, which is one of the things that we have praised Russell Wilson on for, like, basically his entire career, is throwing the deep ball. And, like, they just don't throw the deep – like, they don't throw – they never press it downfield. They don't throw any sort of deep balls. They don't have any explosive plays in this offense. And when you have, He's like – trying to make him Drew Brees. He's trying to make him Drew Brees. Yeah, when you have zero explosive plays, you know, like, in today's NFL, it's it's pretty tough to 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 win and maintain and stuff like that. 42 and a half, you can take this two, two and a half up to eight, eight and a half. If you wanted to do that with the Vikings, there's a lot of different ways you could play this one. What say you? I have to start by not letting Russell Wilson as a top 10 quarterback slide by. Um, that's wrong. The, the, Russell Wilson is not a top 10 quarterback in the NFL right now. So I'm going to go down the list with you, Matt. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, tell me where to stop with guys that you would take in front of Russell Wilson. All right. Okay. We, I'm pretty sure we're clear on Mahomes. I'm pretty sure we're clear on Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Dak, Tua, Goff, Herbert, Lamar, Stroud. We're good there so far? Yeah, I mean, long-term Stroud, obviously. I mean, like, that's a oh, coin. This, week you, mean, needed, this like, week you need a win. Do you want Stroud or Russell Wilson? It's... 
Come on, it's, dude! It's, it's not as close as you want this to be. It's 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 negligible. I mean, like, oh my y'all god, are like buying into y'all are like buying into y'all, y'all are like buying into a guy that like th- gets to throw fifty times a game and like does whatever. I mean, like Stroud's been great. Don't why, get me wrong. Why isn't but Russell like, Wilson throwing fifty times a game? Well, obviously the game plan. I mean, have you not seen what they've got? Like, have you? It's horrible. Like, I think Sean Payton. I full. I fully believe Sean Payton lost his fastball when he was. I don't he think retired. he trusts Russell Wilson. Like, I don't. I. I think. Well, I mean, you have to call plays. You. You have to call plays that are like somewhat in twenty twenty three NFL, and like they don't do it. Like, they, like it's a. It's a train wreck. But at some point, Matt. At some point, we. That's now three head coaches who have said, I'm not going to open up this offense for Russell Wilson, right? And we know who Pete Carroll is. He doesn't want to open up the offense. And we had the one half season of Russ cooking. We had Nathaniel Hackett. Now we have Sean Payton. And I'm not here to defend Pete Carroll's teams. I'm not here to defend Nathaniel Hackett. But at some point to me, it's a trend that Russell Wilson isn't being allowed to be the same wide open quarterback that others are being allowed to be. And by the way, to go down the rest of that top 10 list, I didn't include Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence in there either because they are down below in uh, some of the advanced metrics. I'm just saying I can't get to the point of Russell Wilson being a top 10 quarterback, and that factors into the handicap that I have this week. Um, I think this mm-hmm. this thing is is not as good of an under as Buffalo Jets, not as good of an under as Washington Giants, but pretty close. And that makes the eight and a half points pretty valuable to me with Minnesota. I'll give you this word of caution. There is not a quarterback in the league who has a bigger gap between interceptions and turnover-worthy plays this year than Joshua Dobbs. He has five interceptions and 17 turnover-worthy plays by pro football focus. And you have a Denver defense that against two elite quarterbacks recently has looked pretty good in going against Mahomes and going against Allen. So there is a bit of concern there that at some point, what is wrong with Joshua Dobbs comes home to roost. Even if it does, look what happened last week. I'm going to point to one drive specifically. They get the early turnover due the Denver Broncos against Josh Allen, the Bills, right? What does Sean Payton do to Matt's point? Run, run, run run on three consecutive plays in plus territory, and then a quick take the field goal. So when I look to handicap the total for this game, I don't even trust that if Joshua Dobbs turns into a pumpkin, that Denver's necessarily going to turn it into points. <laughs> yeah, I um, I actually think this is a pretty banger of a teaser leg. I mean, it, it, like, it, even if Denver, like, kicks a last-second field goal, like, like, is there any chance in the world Denver wins at margin? I mean, like, again... We get it. There's always defensive scores and all the special teams. And sh- I mean, like, but we can't predict that. So, I that, mean, like, well, that, that's the only way, right? What Adam just said that the turnover worthy plays happen and he turns into a pumpkin. You know, there is a bit of a ticking time bomb in that way. That's really the only way I could see it happening. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, if this, if Jefferson had been back, this is just a smash spot, right? I mean, like, for yeah. sure, but it doesn't look like he's going to be back out there. So, I think it's a pretty banger of a teaser leg. Like, you get this thing to eight, eight and a half. Broncos aren't they just aren't beating anybody at margin it's just it's just like under any normal handicapping circumstance now yes do they get a if they get a pick six or a strip sack or something sure they could win it whatever they could win at margin but like that's that's not something that we can predict or handicap so like at, at, at what we can factor in I don't see them winning at margin 
And it, and in your defense, asking the question about whether Russell Wilson is still a top 10 quarterback is more a comment about just the state of quarterbacks overall in the NFL at this point, trying to find 10 guys that are pretty good, right? I mean, it's well, the bottom the half of quarterbacks too, are yeah. so bad, right? Yeah. With the injury situation and everything, too, kind of plays into all that. We don't typically talk about Monday Night Football on this podcast because we do a separate video, but this one's too good. Like, this is this one has to be talked about. We have to do... Uh, a, a segment here on this Eagles and Chiefs. I mean, thank you, the Island game. Uh, this game, I thank you. You know, football gods. Uh, two and a half right now. It's an expensive two and a half. This is going to toggle between three and two and a half. Like this has been an argument in the market since this opened. It gets to three. People take the three. Two and a half turns back into three. It just keeps going back and forth on this. Forty-five and a half is your total. Adam, I played the Eagles on the money line, and my thought is this, is I don't feel like I'm going to need the three points because I think the Eagles either win this game outright because they have figured out a way to get to this Chiefs defense, or the Chiefs just win this thing at margin. I would almost play an alt on the Chiefs if I wanted that angle, because it's the defense just wins out here and their defense is just way too good. And there's nothing the Eagles can figure out nothing the Eagles can do. And so for me, that was kind of the angle with all this got a plus one thirty in the account on the Eagles for whatever reason, like everyone hates, everyone wants to nitpick and pick apart the Eagles and every single thing that they do. And there's something to be said for every one of those nitpicks in my personal opinion, for the fact that they have figured out ways to get it done along the way. And people point out, this is a stat that y'all have probably already heard this week. And if you have it, you're going to hear it between the lines. Like, oh, uh, well, you know, we talked about this on Slack about the, you know, about the carries and stuff like that. I saw this today. They're like, his yards per carry is down this year. And I was like, because the tush pushes for one yard every single time. Like, well, yes. And they do it way more this year than they've done it in years past. Yes, his yards per carry is going to be down because half of his carries, he's running for one yard. Like, I mean, it's like, what are we doing here? Like, I just can't, like, why are we not understanding what is happening on the field? Like, why are we looking at a, at a, at a static stat and not putting it into context as to why his yards per carry might be down? Yeah, they do the tush push like six times a game where he's getting one yard. I mean, like, what in the hell is going on? So anyway, it's just, uh... To me, that's the angle, Eagles outright, or maybe even a Chiefs alt. Like, I, I think that kind of goes one way or the other. What, what do you see here in, in the game of the year? So pretty much that's your same handicap that you had from Miami, Kansas City, right? Like, you, you, you yeah. handicapped that game the same and said either they figure it out on offense or they don't figure it out on offense. And in that game, Miami did not figure it out on offense. Now, fundamentally, Philadelphia is better on the offensive line than – Miami was fundamentally I'll take Jalen Hurts versus Tua Tagovailoa in any game and fundamentally there is not a wide delta between AJ Brown and Tyreek Hill um, what I will say for the other side of the balls I think both of these teams are extremely stout up front um, especially since we have seen um, Amenahue come back for the Kansas City Chiefs I'm looking at this as I don't think either one of these teams is a full score better than the other. So for me, it's a Philadelphia teaser leg. Um, I have a very difficult time seeing the Chiefs with the way they play offense in 2023, running out the score on a 
good team. And we know Philadelphia is a very good team. These are the top two teams in my power ratings. I have this game exactly at Kansas City, two and a half. And if you're going to give me eight and a half with a team that is as good on the offensive line and as good on the defensive line as Philadelphia is, I don't think this is a Philadelphia team that can be blown out by anyone. What uh, what do you say here in this one, Stephen? I mean, it's just it's going to be fascinating, right? Because in years past, I don't think we would say, well, you know, if this defense can't hold up for the Chiefs, the Eagles could win this thing at margin because we would always be thinking, oh, no, the offensive side is going to be able, you know, so high powered. They're going to be able to do whatever they want to do. But that is, you know, not been the case so far with the Chiefs. The offense actually at times has looked pretty clunky. Um, but the defense is so good that they hadn't really gotten exposed for it. Um, what do you see here in a game in which the both both of these teams are coming off of a bye? First of all, I want to mention a prop that Adams mentioned a couple times this year, and I think it's pretty solid for this week too. Patrick Mahomes rushing yards over under 25 and a half. He's gone over that total six of nine games this year. Um and last game he had 24 rushing yards. So, you know, a little bad luck not going over that number. I think that has to do with, you know, having trouble in the passing game, not having as many explosive plays, scrambling and, and improvising. So, Adam, any do you agree with that again? This I want to add. Like well, I want to add something to that. I want to add Nicobe Dean being on IR to that, because the only thing that would have mm -hmm. concerned me is the speed of the linebacking corp for Philadelphia. But with him on IR, I like what you're saying more. Yeah, there you go. In terms of the handicap I have for this game, you know, I, I think the spread is correct. I don't think in a game of this magnitude with so many opinions on both sides, every time it touches three, Eagles betters come in, bet it down. So I mean, we're at the right number. So this is just one man's opinion of the game. I think there's one big weak link in this game, and it's the Eagles passing defense. And now it's against Mahomes albeit with some issues at wide receiver, but in particular with the Eagles defense defending the pass, their opponents have been number one in the NFL in pass rate over expectation. They are almost Titans level of pass funnel defense at this point. So Mahomes, you know, in any Chiefs game, you're, you're begging Mahomes to throw it a ton for the most part, no matter who his receivers are. So love that for the Chiefs. And if you look, a little bit more closely at what the Eagles have done against the pass over the past month against Tua, Sam Howell, and Dak Prescott. They are 31st in drop back success rate, 26th in red zone defense. So I think Mahomes with extra time is going to have a, a really good chance to pick this defense apart. And you mentioned it earlier in, in the show, Adam. I thought the Eagles really should have lost that game to Dallas. And they had some fumble luck go the, their way. They had three fumbles. They recovered them all. And the Kansas City defense, as, we, as we've mentioned over and over again this year, is greatly improved. Top five unit by EPA and success rate. Top three against the pass. Number two in pressure rate. That weak link for the Eagles defense was enough for me to bet Chiefs minus two and a half. Yeah. Um, what about the what about the Chiefs run defense? Because if you want to talk about weak links, they're in the bottom three, four in every single metric in in the NFL where they're going up against a very powerful run offense in, in the Eagles. I just just play devil's advocate here because there is and I'll understand they're giving up something that is a in 2023, a less efficient way to to go about things. But 
it is the Eagles, and they do run the ball very, very well with that offensive line and stuff. So maybe it doesn't, maybe it isn't so inefficient when it comes to the to the Eagles. It's it's a good argument. I'll just say that this is the one thing about the Eagles' offense this year is that has confused the hell out of me, and I don't understand what's going on. But last year, when they made their Super Bowl run, we talked about how dominant they were running the ball to the point where they're actually more efficient running the ball than most teams were passing the ball. It was just otherworldly, historic stuff. Since the second month of the season on this year, I don't know what's going on, but the rushing metrics for the Eagles offense aren't anywhere near what they were last year. They're not even above average right now in that span in terms of rush EPA and success rate. All the pieces are there. They're mostly the same pieces. You know, you, you take out Miles Sanders, you put DeAndre Swift in. I don't know why they're not running the ball as well as they were last year, but they're not. So I'll just say that I'm not I'm not running into this game just assuming that the Eagles are going to be good running the ball because they were last year. The stats are telling me something's wrong here with the, with the rushing offense. Adam, just one last thing. Cause it's just, it's just, cause this is just such a fascinating game in, in all of this. You're going to hear another million times between now and Monday, Andy read off a buy, Andy read off a buy, Andy read off a buy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, buy into Andy Reid being one of the top five coaches in the NFL. And I do believe that Andy Reid probably does take advantage of a bye week better than most, but the Eagles are also coming off of a bye. So this isn't like a rest versus, you know, situation. And then also I would also argue that he has had far more talent on the majority of these teams coming out of buys than he has on this year as well. Just wanted to throw that out for some commentary, because again, that is going to be a narrative this week as well. Yeah, we don't have as much history of Nick Sirianni off a bye, but is there a significant coaching deficit between Andy Reid and Nick Sirianni? No, there's not. I mean, we have the history on Andy Reid. We don't have the history yet on Nick Sirianni, but we've got a lot of pretty good evidence in the short sample that we have that Nick Sirianni is a sharp coach, to your point about talent. Steven brought up the idea of the weak link of the passing defense for Philadelphia, and I would say someone's got to be there to take advantage of it because the one thing that that the Kansas City Chiefs do not have are effective wide receivers. Uh, They do have Travis Kelsey, and so if you want to play it that way, play it on Travis Kelsey specifically. Uh, To me, I don't look at a group uh, of MVS and Rasheed Rice and company who are the group that is going to be able to take great advantage of the Philadelphia weakness in the back end, I do think Travis Kelsey could be the guy to be able to yeah. take advantage. Yeah, I, I think this is a banger of a Kelsey game, potentially. Yeah. Like, alts. Take, if you're going to bet Kelsey, just bet the alts, because I think yeah. this could be a banger, Adam. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Like, I mean, it, I imagine he gets early, often, tons and tons. And probably, if you're the Eagles, maybe you kind of almost invite that and, like, just assume at some point down the line the little seven-yarders aren't going to add up to, like, you know, sustaining these long drives. I mean, maybe you almost invite kind of keeping it underneath to to Kelsey or whatever. His reception prop, it would not surprise me if he has 12 catches in this game. I, I'm being dead serious when I say this. Like, I mean, it, like, I, 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 am, I agree with you, Stephen, a ton. Like, alts on Kelsey, like, all day long. Like that, he is going to not just because Taylor Swift's going to be there for the record. That's not do why we, I, we don't even know if she's going to be. She's been, she's got a South American tour. I mean, do we know for sure she's going to be there? I guess when you have private jets, you can do whatever you want. She, to, she right? got the best planes. Yeah. I mean, she goes, she has all the best planes. She does have all the best planes. Guys, uh, each and every week we do this and it is absolutely free. So go ahead, hit that subscribe button. Do appreciate you guys coming in here, listen to us. Give you our thoughts on all these football games each and every week. The lines.com is also free. Everything we do over there. Take advantage of the prop finder, please. Go in, 
Type in a guy's name. It will always show you where you can get the best number for all of that. It is one of the better things that we have over there. So please, please do that before you put in any prop bets. And then upper right-hand corner is also the Discord where you can talk about all this stuff all day long, each and every day. For Adam, for Steven, I'm Matt. Good luck on all your Week 11 bets.